The following audio is from Axe Church Northwest in Austin, Texas. For more information, visit axechurchnorthwest.com. All right. Uh, today's theme is awe, the emotion of awe and wonder, and we're talking about the Psalms of praise. Psalm 19 from the New Living Translation reads this, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. These are the, uh, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is our scripture for the day. I want to invite you guys to stand, uh, and we're going to pray over... um, Come on, stand up. (laughs) We're going to pray over the kids before they go to worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this emotion and this feeling of awe. God, as adults, we ask that you give us the awe of children, that you let us see things in a new way, that you see that we see your world in a, a fascinating way that points to you. Would you be with um, our kiddos as they go to worship and uh, help them learn about your deep, deep love for them? In your name we pray. Amen. All right, you can head out to the next theater over. Everyone else can have a seat. Today we're talking about awe, the Psalms of praise. And I I once heard before I moved to Austin that Austin was a, a glorious, lovely, beautiful place. I grew up in Northwest Houston, and it is where the coastal plain and the piney woods intersect, and it is humid, and it is very, very flat. The highest uh, mountain or uh, place vista you could see was either in a building downtown or more likely for me, an intersection probably between uh, eight and 10, uh, the highways where you could get a couple hundred feet up, look around and say, okay, this is Houston from a distance. But when I arrived to Austin, they said, uh, it's beautiful here. You're going to love it. There's hills and rivers and all sorts of uh, gorgeous things. And for the first uh, week, maybe week and a half that I was here, I wasn't seeing it. 
I wasn't seeing it. I kind of stayed near my apartment, and I was like, where all these people lied to me? They said it was beautiful here. What happened? And it was like that until I had my first uh, meeting over in Steiner Ranch. Because if you're going to Steiner Ranch, you're driving on 620, and you keep going, and you take that, if you're coming from where we're at, you take that sweeping right turn, and then it all unfolds. You get to see like the entrance to the hill country, and you get to see, oh my goodness, there's hills. It looks like there'd be a river there. If you go far enough, there's, you, you look at, and there's a beautiful, beautiful lake. And I was kind of sitting there seeing something for the first time, and I was in awe because it was new. And I was like, oh, this is what they were talking about. Everyone was talking about this thing that I have now seen. And it's beautiful. But if we drive around now, we kind of like, oh yeah, that's that. And we're just going to complain about the traffic on 620. But, but the, the beauty and the awe is still there if we just see it. I like this psalm. Um, I really like this psalm. It's got a fascinating kind of movement to it. And as I was uh, studying up on it this week, I read this quote by C.S. Lewis when he was talking about Psalm 19. He says, I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. I take this to be, one of the, to be the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. I like that. So it's, today we're going to be pretty simple. We're just going to follow um, the progression of this psalm and see what it has to say for us and, and this uh, emotion of awe that hopefully we experience um, and re-experience as life goes on. So I'm going to read this verse. I invite you to follow along on your phones or in your Bibles. It says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. I like that first off where it starts there. And I invite you to think about that moment, whether it's seeing a storm come in or the sun rising or the sun setting, where you have seen this verse, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet, their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The writer of this psalm is David. And, and David, uh, he is a fascinating person in the Old Testament. He writes lots and lots of psalms. He's got a fascinating stories written about him. But, but I love where he pauses in this psalm. He kind of pauses to reflect. And I think that's one of the things when we're caught up or when something catches us or brings us in that state or emotion of awe, oftentimes there's a deep breath 
and, and we pause and we reflect. And what David is considering in these first few verses is he's considering God uh, in light of nature. He's considering God in light of nature. And, and it's been fun uh, talking <clears throat> to you and to some other people in our community um, because I know that you, that many of you, will experience God in this way at some point during this summer. Uh, we have people that are traveling internationally. They're getting back tonight. We have people that are about to travel internationally. And then there we have people traveling throughout this amazing country and our amazing state. And uh, you'll, you, many of you will see uh, vistas and things that God has created and it's untouched by, by man and you'll be caught up in awe. Many of you will, will look out at a city and kind of be in awe of that, like that, that, what man has made, that's pretty beautiful too. And so we've got some pictures. Um, this here, I'll kind of go through them. Some of you might know where this is. This is Reykjavik in Iceland. Next. This is the, the Grand Tetons. This is, this is for me right here. This is like home. A while ago, I read an article in a magazine. It said, home is where life reorders itself. And as we've kind of moved around a little bit, uh, I'm like, okay, that can be a place. It's generally where Christ is at. But if there's a physical place, this is where uh, I see God in his beauty in northern Michigan. Next. This. Does anyone know where this is? The what? This is one of the cities in uh, Cinque Terre in Italy. Is that the same thing? No. So that's where this is. Next. Who knows where this is? Central Texas, baby. We've got gorgeous stuff as well. Look at that. This might not look like it, but these are gorgeous fields in Alaska. And this right here is Swaziland, where Liz is moving. Do we have any more? Oh, and this. This is Russia. That's just gorgeous. Look at what God has done right? Yellowstone, right? Anything else? Ah, a bunch of emojis. Great. I love looking at those pictures, and, and you guys know this. We all know this. You can snap a picture, and, and it, it reminds you of a moment, but it never has the same sort of awe and wonder as the original moment has. But it's fun to kind of imagine or, or throw your thoughts in the future of, oh, God's going to like show me something beautiful. And I think that's amazing to see. Uh, a theological term for this is called general revelation. And this is the revelation that, that um, David, the writer of the psalm, is talking about in the first couple of verses. He's, he's saying, hey, look around at nature. This is, it doesn't say a word, but it shouts it speaks to the glory 
of God. And, and this is one of those things that all of us get to see. And when you and I or, or our colleagues or our society sees general revelation, we, we generally do one of two things. We say, wow, wow, this is huge. There must be something bigger. That's one response. Or, wow, it's amazing that this accident happened and we get to see it, right? There's this view that kind of leans towards, whoa, this is designed and, I, and there's something big. And this view of, hey, this is all an accident. It's a pretty cool accident. And that's, that's, where we, a lot, that's where a lot of times people stay. It's, I, I, there's a creator or I'm agnostic or something, or, or this all is just by chance, and, and we're on this awesome, beautiful rock for a short period of time, so let's enjoy it. And I'm glad that, that like, the Christian response is to, to move past that. And David's response in this psalm is to keep going. He, he loves looking at creation. He finds awe in creation. But, but something that might be a little bit more difficult for us, we've never seen it in this, in this light, is David finds awe in the scripture as well. Verses 7, 11, 7 through 11, not the slurpy place, even though that can be awe-inspiring sometimes. Um, verses 7 through 11 kind of share what David sees how he finds awe in creation. It says, The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence or fear for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. Two things in this little chunk. Uh, in, in many different translations of Scripture, that first word in verse 7, where I read it said, the instructions of the Lord are perfect. Many translations will say, the law of the Lord is perfect. And that word in Hebrew is Torah. The Torah. Maybe some of you know that as the first five books of the Old Testament. That is Torah, the, the law of the Lord. But it's also, uh, I, I like how this translation says, it says the instruction of the Lord. Because when we think about that, um, I think our minds need to hear it in that way. When I hear law, I think of police officers with, you know, those little guns that they shoot to see if you're speeding or not. You know, that's my biggest law infraction type situation. And I think of that. So I think of laws, hey, you're doing this right or you didn't do that right. Slap on the hand, slap on the wrist, something like that. But Torah, for, for the original here, as, as David or, or one of the Hebrew people was reading about it or living it, was more of an instruction or a direction or a teaching. I had one professor who said, when you guys think of the word law or Torah in the Old Testament, I want you to think of, well, the Torah is just the way of life. 
It's just my way of life. It's how I navigate life and how I live life. And it's how God's people in the Old Testament navigated life. And so when, when we read this, it's, it's fascinating. The way of life of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. I really think he sees awe in here, reviving the soul, making wise the simple, bringing joy to the heart, giving insight for living. I don't know if you guys want that, but I definitely want that. Like there are days where waking up again on a Sunday morning and seeing, oh, there was a terrorist incident in London, or where's it going to be next week, or, or any number of things. Like my soul needs to be revived. It needs to be like washed and be refreshed and revived. And, and a lot of times uh, I need wisdom. Like I need wisdom that I can't tap into by reading the, the end cap of a Barnes and Noble section or like what's on the bestseller list on Amazon. Like I need deeper wisdom than that. Wisdom that, that sinks in to my gut and my soul. And I need joy. I need joy in my life. The, the rise of, um, and please don't hear me beating up on this, the, but, the, but the rise of people in the prescriptions of antidepressants is like going up. And anxiety is huge. Like, I've struggled with it. Last fall was brutal. And I needed joy and a reviving of the soul in my life. And insight? We get bombarded with all sorts of stuff. Parents get bombarded with stuff. Grandparents get bombarded with stuff. People that have kids, people that want to have kids. It's all like, oh, here's the best way. Here, you do it this way. You do it that way. My way is better. My way is not. I need some insight for living as well. Something deeper than the wells of what's going on like in our society. And when I'm not experiencing these things, it's usually because... Uh, because I'm not walking in the way of God in the Torah. I'm not saying that, like, yes, bad stuff happens to good and righteous people. Yes. That's like, yeah. But there's, there's a sense that when I kind of take stock of what's going on inside of me, when I walk in these beautiful, awe-inspiring ways of God, like, things generally go better. It doesn't happen all the time, but it's like, I've, I've heard this, Proverbs, which, which we can kind of see is like the insight, the wisdom, the, the joy in the right place, uh, the reviving of the soul. Uh, I've heard people say that that's about 90% of life, okay? Ecclesiastes, another wisdom book, is about 10% of life. So oftentimes, maybe nine out of 10 times, I'm, if I'm walking in those ways of God, I can kind of, things just kind of work this way. But there are times, let's be honest, where I'm, I'm walking in the ways of God and it's just like everything's crumbling around me. Uh, verse 11, David's kind of talking about that. He's like, they, and that's the, the laws, the commands, the, the way of life for God's people are a warning to your servant and a great reward for those who obey them. A reward and a warning. I think that's good. That's fair. Like, let's lean on the 90% of the time and say, okay, that's cool. 
But whenever I'm in awe of whether it's nature or um, an insight from scripture, it brings me uh, to humility, right? Um, I think it brought David to humility. That's what he does next. It's um, seeing yourself in a right size comparison to God. A, a few years ago, I went on a road trip. And I went on a road trip with five other guys between, we were the, between the ages of 22 and 42, driving from St. Louis, yes, this would be St. Louis to Phoenix, Arizona. And we looked at the map and we rented a minivan. And on this trip, we decided we're going to do it all in one fell swoop. 24 hours, six guys, two drivers, beef jerky, smells, music, the whole nine yards. I was one of the drivers. Terrible choice. And we, we drove down there and we did our little conference thing and we had a great time and it was like, oh, it's, it's amazing here in February. Phoenix is a glorious place. And then as we were driving back, we looked at the map and a lot of Midwest people and some Texans and some Irish people were sitting there looking and we said, oh, you know, it's like a couple hours north of our first turn, the Grand Canyon. So we went in the van uh, and, and you can just think about it. Six guys going in the van. We stop at the Grand Canyon and all of the elementary jokes and the beef jerky eating and the sunflower seed spitting stopped and we just kind of scattered out of that van and each of us, boom, 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 like got away from the van and just looked. And it was the, oh, like I've seen pictures, but that hole in the ground is big. It's big. And I'm like, how far, how far does it go? It just keeps going. And there were people there speaking other languages, and it was like, oh, that's pretty amazing. Like, today's Pentecost, and there's people, uh, it's when God sent the Holy Spirit and spread uh, the church out, and amazing things happened. And this was just a bunch of guys at the Grand Canyon, but there were people here to see something amazing. And in that moment, it was, it was one of those like, oh, I'm small. I'm really, really small, and God is really, really big, and that means something about me. It also happens for me personally. I've done a handful of weddings, and and there's a moment. It's not like a nature awe, but it's a reading the words of Scripture and reading the promises of Scripture and how God ordained this institution and standing there and watching people uh, give their lives to each other and follow God together. There's one of these moments, I'm in a bunch of pictures in it, but I'm just, I don't even feel like I'm there. It's one of those, wow, this is happening and I get to be a part of it. And so it kind of makes you step back whenever you're in awe of of what God's doing in his word or what God is doing in his creation, because awe moves us to humility. And and that's that's what David does. It goes from how awesome is this, the son and his word, to what about me? In verse 12, this is what David says, and I think this is his response to being so in awe. It says, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? 
And it says, cleanse me from these hidden faults. There's a couple types of sin, and the first one David is talking about here, it's a sin of omission, and that's the things that we have neglected to do or that we have left undone. It's like, oh yeah, God is prompting me to do this, or I know I should, should do this, but I just either forget or it escapes my mind, or it's just omitted, neglected or left undone. And David's yeah, standing in awe of God, and he says, his response is, cleanse me from these hidden faults. In verse 13, he goes on to the next one, the sins of commission, the things that you commit or do, and you know all about them. Like It's like, yep, I'm just going to keep going forward with that. It says, keep your servant from deliberate sins. Then he says this, don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. He recognizes his sin he confesses his sin, and then he moves forward. I really like how he moves forward. Many of you have grown up in Lutheran backgrounds, and we have a great distinction that we are uh, simul usus epicotter, simultaneously sinners and saints. But a lot of time in our language, we really kind of lean on the sinner part. We're like, well, I can't do that because I'm, I'm a sinner, like... I, I know this. I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm kind of going to lean on that. And if you grew up, if, you, if that's not like your primary uh, leaning towards where you sit with God, then cool. But if it is, I invite you to look at what David does. He recognizes his sin. He's like, oh, there's an issue here. Uh, he confesses his sin, and then he moves forward. Listen to how he ends the psalm. He says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In light of awe, whether it's nature or scripture, and his own sin, he, he still moves forward. And there are three things I want you to think about as you do that. One, recognize better recognize. <laughs> recognize God and, re and, and be in awe of God, right? I don't think anyone in this room is in danger of going down the, like, the uh, supernaturalist route where all we do is sit in awe and we're like, oh, the sun is the, is the, the God or the rocks are the God or the, the wood or the trees. I, I don't know. I know you guys, that's not going to be it. But do lean into that. As you look around Austin and this summer, and as you look around this world this summer, be in awe of what he is doing and what he has created. I do invite you as well, be in awe of, of his word. He has a connection that he wants to have with you. And this is such an amazing way to understand and see and look and know more about him. And it's cool. It's good to be in awe of him. So dig into what he is doing in scripture. Recognize, be in awe. And then be honest. Some stuff you shouldn't have done. Some stuff you should have done. So recognize the awe, confess before God, and then, and then move forward. 
And what I see David doing there is he trusts the rock and he trusts the redeemer. And if you don't know, redeemer in the original language is a financial term, uh, meaning to buy back. And so I invite you to, to move forward by the person who's brought, bought you back. The things you don't remember doing, the omission sins and the commission sins, uh, he paid for on the cross. And it's here that he starts talking. Because at the beginning, the skies are proclaiming his glory. And when David closes the, the psalm, he says, may my words, may, may I start proclaiming. But on the cross is where God starts proclaiming. And he says, I love you and you are forgiven and you go and move forward and have life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you allow us uh, to be in awe of you? Show us that. If there's something uh, that our soul needs to be revived of, we're a little crusty right now. Would you open up our heart, open up our eyes, open up us up to what you are doing? And let us be in awe of you. And then let us be honest and say, I'm not perfect, uh, but I'm going to trust in the rock and the redeemer, and that's Jesus. And we thank you for allowing us to move forward and move forward through your cross. Please teach that to me today, and please teach that to us as we move forward in your grace. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this audio from Acts Church Northwest. To stay connected, visit axchurchnorthwest.com.